Hello, and welcome to Whatever It Takes Radio, helping you do whatever it takes to succeed in marriage and in life. I'm Paul Speed, and I'm your host, and today I am privileged to be in the studio with my beautiful wife, Jenny. Hello, Jenny. Hey, honey. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Oh, thank you. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Yeah, it's Valentine's Day. And thanks for my flowers and my card, Uh, by the way. Well, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Valentine's Day 2017, and we got a great topic in regards to marriage and love and how to be able to resolve conflicts in marriage and so forth. But before we do that, Jenny, it's been a while since you and I have done a podcast together. And the last time we did, I believe we were just about to head off to Mexico for your third round of um, breast cancer treatments. So um, it'd be good. Can you take a minute and bring everybody up to date with how you're doing with that? Yes, I am getting ready to actually celebrate a year since the diagnosis of the breast cancer. And praise God, we didn't even know you know, where I would be in a year if I would even be here. So I am still in remission. We are thrilled to get that report. And I did do a third round of treatment there in Tijuana at the Oasis of Hope. They did the dendritic cancer vaccine for the third time. And I'm just very, very, very grateful. I really feel good. Good. So the Lord has really blessed me throughout this journey. And um, I just want to share with our listeners, I'm really excited because this upcoming week, we have a video crew that's going to be coming here to the Atlanta area. And they are going to be filming just a short little interview with me about my cancer journey so that I can help our listeners and those who are dealing with cancer that would like to take a different uh, route with their treatment uh, versus just the modern chemo, radiation, and all that. And they would like to know more about uh, what opportunities there are out there uh, with alternative treatments. And so I'm going to be doing that interview. It will be put up on our website within a few weeks. And so if you know of anyone that's struggling with cancer and would like a different um, take on it, uh, send them to our website. We'd be happy to, to help them in any way we can, get them on the right path. Yeah, I think that'll be a great resource because um, I've seen you take a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails and um, from people inquiring about what did you do uh, for the cancer treatment. So I think that's going to be a really good resource for us to get done. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, today I'm excited because we're going to be talking about um, some of the keys or what we call the key to resolving uh, marital conflicts. And Not that you and I ever have marital conflicts. No, we'll give examples <laughs> of other people. But um, obviously I want to bring in a story that um, a couple of years ago you and I had the opportunity to go to a romantic Valentine's Day weekend at the Chick-fil-A Conference Center in Rome, Georgia. Part of that uh, reason for us going there was to check out the um, event center to see would it be possible for us to do our own marriage conferences there. So that was kind of our, um, our reason to go. In fact, they told us when we contacted them and checked in that, well, this won't be like yours. This is not a very intense one. This is very laid back. You're going to enjoy it. Um, there's hiking, you get to do stuff with your spouse all day long and the sessions are very light. And, um, so we think you'll enjoy it, but at least we could see what the resort was like. So well, that, and I love the title, a romantic weekend getaway. Well, I liked it too. And we got there, their place is top notch. There's no doubt about it. The room was spectacular. Um, everything about it, but that first night you and I are, are there and there's about 50 to 75 couples in there. And the, um, couple that was leading it was sharing about how they first met. And it was kind of a, 
um, interesting story of um, how God brought those two together and they got um, married. And they said, you know, that's how we first noticed each other and so forth. They said, so let's take a few minutes and each of you turn to your spouse and just reminisce about the first time you um, connected, your eyes fell on them, you met or whatever that you noticed the other person. That's kind of the way it was supposed to be. So they're going to give us about five minutes to turn and just reflect on that. So you want to kind of share? Oh, this was definitely the most memorable Valentine's Day ever. (laughs) I remember that evening as we turned and I was so excited to be there and uh, to get to go through this romantic weekend getaway with you because there had been a lot of stress in our marriage during that time. And I was so excited when the leaders made that announcement. Now turn to your spouse and just share the first memory that you have of one another. And uh, I turned to you and I remembered exactly the moment and what I said. I looked at you and said, oh, I remember the moment that I laid eyes on you for the first time. You pulled up into the church parking lot and with your uh, beat up Volkswagen Beetle. (laughs) Beat up, a little Beat up, your your blue painted Volkswagen Beetle. And uh, you stepped out of your car and you had on your tweed jacket with your blue jeans. And I looked down and you had red and white checkered tennis shoes, vans, vans, slip-on vans. And in the white checks, you had written, Jesus saves. (laughs) And I remember when I saw that, I thought to myself, he's a Jesus freak just like me. (laughs) So that was my first impression. And I remember when I shared that with you, the next thought was, or the next thing I said was, I said, now you tell me what you thought of me when you saw me for the first time. I was so excited. Women love this kind of of, uh, event. Absolutely. So for you listeners who are trying to imagine this, you've got a room full of couples and I hear laughing. I, I hear some some happy tears. I hear some kissing in the background as these couples are reminiscing. And Jenny looks at me and she says, so what was the first time, when was the first time you noticed me? And um, can you tell me? And I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this, but uh, my brain was like flatlined. It was totally blank. And I'm looking at her and I'm beginning to sweat at this point And I'm thinking, oh no, this is not good. This is not good. So she just looks at me and I said, um, I'm sorry, Jenny, I can't remember the first time. And then you said, well, how about the second or third time? Why don't you just um, think of another time and um, early on? Well, by then I'm panicking. Everything inside of me is just scrambling to, to survive this. And there's a part of me that just wants to run out of the room and I can't believe this is happening to me. And why can't I... Um, remember something. And I can remember dates along the time uh, that we did, but I'm thinking, wow, we dated for a year or so. So maybe that wasn't the first time and therefore I didn't want to say something that'd be wrong. And so uh, anyway, nothing's coming out. I'm seeing Jenny, um, your response is getting um, a little more anxious, a little more tense. And then um, she brings God into the equation and I knew I was in trouble. Then she says, honey, this is important. Why don't you pray and ask God to help you? (laughs) So I thought, oh, great. So it's like throwing God under the bus. So I'm like, oh, God, help me remember. Bring something to my mind. But God did not save me that day. No, he left me stranded there in the conference center. And um, I'm just hoping what I begin to pray inside is, please, will the the couple that's leaving this start talking again? So I'm watching Ginny and I can see she's hurt and she's disappointed. and, 
And I am frustrated. I'm frustrated with why can't I remember something? In other words, this is, um, this is not right, but I, I, I can't. So I'm beginning to shut down. I'm doing all the things that I normally um, do for self-protection. And Jenny's trying to stay calm. We're on, I think we were up on the second row. So we were in front of everybody. We couldn't have a big argument or anything right there. But she finally looks at me when the couple starts back leading and says, it's okay. She kind of pats me on the arm and turns and looks toward the front. But I remember sitting there saying, you know, this is okay. This is not okay. I'm thinking this is bad. I can remember, Paul, as we're reminiscing about this, and I know all the listeners, the female listeners at least, will really be able to identify with me and that I had an expectation. You know, here we are at this romantic weekend getaway, and it's Valentine's Day, and all the couples around us are giggling and laughing and hugging and kissing, and and here I am with all this, this great excitement and expectation that we're going to reminisce and you're going to tell me these, these wonderful things that you thought about me and you're going to feel my love language uh, because my love language is words of affirmation. So you're going to fill my love language tank. And all of a sudden, I get nothing. I'm looking at you and you're just staring at me and you're saying, uh, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. And then I did, I responded and I wasn't with, it wasn't with anger, but I responded and said, oh, you know, honey, it's okay if you can't remember the first time that you saw me or you, you know, can you think of like the third or the fourth or the fifth or just, just some time that first year that we were friends, that just something that you thought about me. And at that point, I saw you totally shut down. You just shut down. And so... I remember uh, feeling very, very hurt, very, very hurt, and trying very hard not to react in my pain. Mm -hmm. And um, the Lord gave me the grace, and I was able to grab a hold of the grace and not react. And so I do remember reaching over and, and uh, grabbing hold of your arm and kind of snuggling up beside you in that chair and saying, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. But I was hurt. You were hurt, and I knew you would have been hurt, and um, and I felt kind of helpless in that, that um, I couldn't do anything about it. I, you know, I'm pondering, do I make something up? Do I try to just create a memory or a lie or take, take another time and take a chance? But then I'm, I'm remembering you're very detail-oriented, and you'll know, Paul, that was a, a year later. So anyway, so my self-protective mode of just closing my little turtle shell and... Um, and it just felt this whole weekend just going down the tank very, very fast. So long story short, though, we, uh, we finished the night and uh, we walked back to the hotel room. And when we went inside, I remember we had left a couple of things over there, uh, a notebook and something else. And I said, well, let me just run back over there. And I remember running or walking back across the parking lot because it had begun to drizzle. And I remember just praying um, God help me. In other words, God, what's going on? This is not good, Lord. I need help. I need wisdom. And on the way walking back, I remember the words in my head that just kept coming and resonating with me. And the word was disappointment. And that's really all I got, disappointment. And um, so I didn't really know what to do with that. And um, I knew, you know, in the past, this scenario would have led to a two to three week fight, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. In other words, absolutely. I, would have, I would have closed up completely, uh, which would have 
frustrated you? And when you would have closed up and gone into your turtle shell, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is your no, you know, your normal, normal mode, reaction, of, sure. mode of operation, I would have risen up in anger because you're going into your turtle shell sure. would trigger me. And uh, I would begin to hear all the lies of the enemy that you don't love me, you don't care about me. Right. And so I would have risen up in anger and, and begin to react to you. Right. And then your anger. reaction is the very thing that I see that makes me pull that turtle shell tighter and we just would feed off each other and it would just be horrible. And literally, you're correct. It would have been a two-week argument fight yeah. with lots of stuff in the middle that right. would just bring destruction. Right. But the good news is, and that's what we want to focus on, is what happened that night and which led into the next day, which um, goes to what we're talking about, the key, the key, really, um, to resolving marital conflicts. I walked in the room that night, and I really didn't know what to do, but I looked at her, and I, and I just told her, I said, I was praying as I was walking over there and back, and I said, and I don't know, I'm not making an excuse for anything. I know you're hurt. I know you're upset. And I said, but I keep hearing the word disappointment. And I said, I don't know what that means. I know I disappoint you. And I said, but internally, there's something else in me, Jenny, that causes me. I said, the, the shutting down, everything I want to do, everything inside of me wants to run, even right now, away. And I said, but I keep hearing the word disappointment, and I want us to talk about it and pray through it. And you are more than willing to do that. Yes, and then I remember um, asking you after we prayed, um, Paul, can you just ask the Lord to ask you, when is the first time? Because you actually said, I feel like I'm a disappointment. Yeah. And so I said, can you just pray and ask the Lord, when was the first time you ever felt like you were a disappointment? And so you did that. And then as soon as you did that, um, God began to give you memories of growing up as a child in your lifetime where you know, you made a mistake or you failed and the enemy stepped right in and with that failure or that mistake said to you, spoke to your heart and said, you're just a disappointment. Right. So I think those are the things. And for those who have heard our messages before or have seen our video on, on our website called Overcoming the Lies of the Enemy, this was really like another layer of the onion that God was peeling off in my life of, like you said, the lie of feeling that I'm a disappointment to everybody. And then anytime I feel that way, all the enemy's got to do, if I make a mistake or a problem, whether it happened at work, whether it happened at high school and basketball, whether it happened with my parents or a, a friend, when the enemy would speak those words to me, Paul, you're a disappointment, again, I shut down, I pull my turtle shell to hide any emotions, and then I run. I was always a runner. I'd get up and run out of school and um, run home when there was a conflict or something that was just too much pressure. So we began to unpack this that night and pray through it. And um, But how we did it and um, what we went through is what I want us to share with the listeners today as why humility is the key to resolving marital conflict. That first night, one of the things um, you said, or I've always heard you say is pride reacts but humility responds what happened that first night from your perspective where you see that as true well i think obviously when i turned to you in my excitement and shared what i thought about you the first time i ever saw you um, and i had that expectation of you doing the same with me and again meeting my my love language and when i didn't get that response 
I had a choice. I could react to you in hurt and pain as a victim, or I could respond to you uh, in humility. Right. You know, reacting is pride. Responding is humility. Right. And so, you know, I, I would like to say that I do that every time, but I don't do that every time. But for some reason, God, you know, I was able to grab hold of the grace of God that night and mm. not react in pride and, you know, but instead to respond in humility. Right. Well, I came back and I began to talk to you about this thing of feeling like a disappointment. And I know you could have, you were probably hearing all the voices from the enemy. Here he goes. It's all about him. This is a lame excuse for him not to um, have a memory. You know, and the enemy bombards me with thoughts. It's never going to be good enough. Why don't you just leave? Why are you even trying to, to go through this? But both of us chose humility that night. By well, me coming back and just being willing to talk about what I felt the Lord had shown, not knowing where this was going, so to speak, and you were willing to help me begin to process through it so that it would pull us back together. Absolutely. I would say that, you know, just the fact that you came back and wanted to talk. <laughs> the fact that I returned, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, gotcha. that was amazing humility because, as you said, your mode of operation has always been to go into my turtle shell and not come out, right. you know. Um, so the fact that you walked back into the room, of course, I was praying also when you left mm -hmm. and saying, God, please help me. I don't want to react in pride and anger and hurt. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to allow myself to become a victim because I know that victims never get free. You make yourself a victim, you'll live a victim, you'll stay a victim. I want to respond in a spirit of humility mm -hmm. And allow God to meet me in that and, and, you know, not go down a road of bitterness. Right. And so while I was praying that, you were walking back to the room and you were praying and asking the Lord to help you. So to me, it was a major step of humility when you walked in the room and you actually said, can we talk? Right. And, and that I, I was shocked because I assumed we would go to bed the first night of our romantic weekend getaway, uh, mad I would at be on each the other. Couch, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it was not going to be pretty. And um, the fact that any good came out of that weekend is just, it's a testimony of God's grace in both of our lives. Because the, the end of the story is that night we stayed up for, for four hours at least, five hours, talking, praying, getting insight from the Lord um, as far as both of us and issues that we both had in this whole area of feeling disappointment. I remember because the workbook they gave us. We didn't fill out anything that the workbook wanted us to do, but we had two or three pages of notes that night and the next day. Do you remember the next day we got up and you were like, so do you want to go hiking today? Do you want to go play disc golf? Do you want to do something? And I looked at you and I said, no, I want us to talk, to keep talking. And about I us. almost uh -huh. fell over backwards. <laughs> that <laughs> was amazing. Uh, one of Paul's loves is disc golf. He loves to, to play that. And so they had a disc golf course there. And so I woke up that morning. I didn't, don't like disc golf, but I woke up that morning and said, Lord, I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to go out and play disc golf with him. And so when he asked me, what would we like to do or i like to do for my activity that day? And I said, well, let's go play disc golf. And you said, well, I'd really rather just stay here and talk. I literally almost fainted. Right. <laughs> so again, that was you choosing humility. Right. Yeah, I think we... we and we both did very well. And that's why it was amazing because God took that um, conflict he, that conflict, and what years ago would have sent us spiraling for weeks, blaming accusations, a lot of hurt. And instead, 
through humility, God just began to kind of download in both of us some real key things for spiritual growth as well as marital growth between us. It became one of the best weekends we'd ever had. Yes. So again, the first thing we want to point out, uh, the key, um, how humility is the key, is that to remember that humility always responds and that um, pride is what causes us to react. And if we can remember that, then humility is always the right choice. The second thing, though, that I want to point out, and this is a big one for me, not as much for you, I don't think, but I know for me, and that is humility doesn't require you to know the answer. In other words, a lot of times in my life, I would shut down. I would turtle. i pull inward. If I didn't feel I could solve the problem or the conflict, I didn't have the right answer for what you're looking for. Just like that night when you're saying, do you, you know, when's the first memory? And um, I, I would have just pulled away and I would have run and felt the disappointment and so forth. But what I love about humility, and I think it's why, uh, it's one of the things that, that God uh, pours his power into our lives is we don't have to know the right answer. It causes us to trust God, to abandon ourselves on him. And then he's the one that saves us, which is the promise of humility all throughout scripture. If you humble yourself, I will lift you up. I will raise you up. I will revive your heart and your spirit. So it's all there. We just don't want to do it because we're afraid of dying. That's what humility is. But I like that aspect that, you know, I didn't have to have the answer walking into the room that night. I looked at you and said, can we talk? I didn't know where the conversation was going. I didn't have five points that I think God had begun to show me about ourselves. And then by you choosing humility, you didn't know where the conversation was going. You didn't know, well, is he, did he have a memory? Is he going to tell me now? But you chose to hang in there with me. And then God began to bless us both because of that. So I think that's a... That's a huge thing. Well, and I think, too, I want to point out to our listeners that uh, we say at our marriage intensives that the three most important words that you can ever say to your spouse is, can we pray? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think a lot of men don't recognize that. They think, you know, when you when we ask that question at our marriage intensives, what are the three most important words you can ever you. say to your spouse? <laughs> yeah, they always say, I love you. Of course, that's what I'm supposed to say. I love you. And no, that's not what your spouse needs to hear in the midst of a conflict. What they need to hear is, can we pray? Mm -hmm. Can we pray? Especially a woman. That's what she wants to hear her husband say. Right. You know, I don't necessarily look to you to fix everything or every problem because I know you can't. Right. But what I want to hear and what I want to know is that you're willing to stop and take the time and Let's go before the Lord together and ask him. So the three most important words that can be said from a husband to a wife or in the midst of a conflict is, honey, can we pray? Oh, you added a fourth one there, honey. Oh, but, sorry. <laughs> but that's a good one to put in there. Honey, yeah. can we pray? Right. That's so true. And when you, you would tell me that, I mean, and I still wouldn't do it for years and years and years. And I still don't today all the time. And I think it's because in the, in the mind of a man, I just think we got to solve the problem. we got to solve the problem. But, I mean, isn't it beautiful to think that we don't really need to solve the problem. We need to go to God and allow God to help us solve the problem. Yes. I know this, this humility not being required to, to know the answer and how that really is a benefit. But the, the truth is, I want God to show me the steps. Because if he'll show me the steps, see, I can do them. I don't really need him. Just I just need him to show me the steps. Where humility is more like... God, I don't even need to know the steps. I'm just going to trust you and I'm going to follow you through this and I'm going to walk even though I don't know what to do. 
That's that element of trust. I think that humility calls us to do, and that's a hard one, mm-hmm. but um, that really is the best. That really is abandoning ourselves to God. So, so, so far we've talked about um, humility um, responds where pride reacts. Um, the second one there, we talked about humility doesn't require us to know the answer and what's the real benefit and the key behind that, and that is trusting in God. But we've got a third one that we want to wrap this up with. But before we do that, let's take a short break and we'll be back in one minute. Hi, this is Paul Speed, founder of Whatever It Takes Ministries. My wife Jenny and I have helped hundreds of couples process through deep emotional pain from unresolved marital issues. We believe that we can help you find the answers you may be searching for. If your marriage is struggling, I encourage you to go to our website, witministries.com, for information on marriage intensives here in the Tampa area. That's witministries.com or call 336 336- 310-5050. And remember, your marriage is worth fighting for. All right, we're back. And today we're talking about the keys to resolving marital conflicts. And that main key is, beyond the shadow of a doubt, humility. So for the third point here, and final point that we want to um, touch on, Jenny, is um, humility doesn't require you to win. What do you mean by that? What does our listener need to take away with that? Well, you know, Paul, several years ago when you and I were going through some conflict, we actually read the book, The DNA of Relationships by Gary Smalley. Mm-hmm. And that book, uh, there were some points in there that we were able to really grab a hold of that really helped us in dealing with conflict within our marriage. One of those uh, concepts or points was uh, not seeking for a win-lose right. result. And basically what it said is that when you go into a conflict, if your mental uh, thought process is, I've got to win this conflict, the reality is you really lose. Mm. You may walk away feeling like you just won, but you really lost. Because when your spouse loses, you lose. The relationship loses. And so for me, that was really huge because I'm a very um, audio person. I, I talk well. I express myself well. And so I can very easily win an argument and walk away feeling like, well, I won yeah. that. Point proven. Yeah. yeah. Slam dunk. Yeah. But yet again, in reality, I didn't win at all. Mm-hmm. I really lost because now there's a, a distance between you and I and our relationship. Or mm-hmm. if it's a, a conflict with one of my children or with a friend, right. I didn't win. Right. I lost. And so that was really important in that book, a really great point. And it talked about versus going and seeing a conflict as a win-lose situation, we should look at every conflict wanting a win-win situation where when we go into this conflict, we want to both walk away as winners, not one of us a winner and one of us a loser. And so we want to seek an outcome where we both feel like we're winners. So that was really good. And I, I think the key to that, though, is identifying, are you a right fighter? And what I mean by that, this was something the Lord showed uh, me about four or five years ago, um, this term right fighter. Keisha Wright, who's actually on our, our ministry team, and I call her my right-hand man. She's amazing, or right-hand woman. She does so much for our ministry and really comes alongside me in making our weekends work and the things that we do. But Keisha actually was the one that brought that term to me one time, and she was talking about some of the women that we deal with, and she said they're right fighters. 
And I said, what do you mean by that? And she said, well, Jenny, don't you see? She said, they're not interested in being well. They're interested in being right. And I was like, wow, that's a deep thought. And then I started thinking about these some of the women that do come to my weekend, and that really is their focus. They don't really want to get well. They just want somebody to come along and tell them, oh, you're right, you're right. You have a right to be angry. You deserve to be angry because of what's been done to you. And that doesn't get them anywhere. They need to choose to say, you know what, I don't care if I'm right or not. I just want to be well. Mm. And so when Keisha brought that to my attention and I started pondering that, the Lord allowed me to, to write about that in our workbook on, that we do on our Four Days to Hope weekend. And we ask each woman, are you a right fighter? Are you willing to, to lay down your rights and say, I don't have to be right? I want us both to win. And that really began to turn around a lot of relationships in my life, not only with you and I, but I remember uh, when you and I were going through this right fighter thing, and I was discussing with you what Keisha had shared with me, and we were pondering it and talking it through and looking at it from all angles in our relationship. We sat down with our children, and we shared with our kids, hey, guys, we've been talking, mom and dad are talking about this right fighter concept, and, and we realized that a lot of our relationship problems are because we're both trying to be right and just trying to get well. And so um, one of our sons, Josiah, I remember he looked at me and he goes, Mom, that definitely used to be you. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot of our conflict, Mom, is that you had to be right. right. And you and I would go head to head and go on and on and on fighting over simple, stupid silly issues and he said but mom I want to say to you that I've really seen you change and then he went on to say but now I see that I'm just like you mm -hmm. I do the same thing I argue and argue and argue because I want to win I have to be right well and here's the key that the Lord showed us at um Keisha and I as we were writing this writing this material for the hope book is that the reason a right fighter will fight to the death to be right is because to be wrong speaks to the core of their being as to who they are. There's a deep place of woundedness in the core of their being. And so because of that woundedness, they cannot allow themselves to feel the pain of being wrong. Right. Well, like me with my turtle shell or someone else and how they handle conflict or adversity or whatever being challenged, it really is a form then of what you're saying of self-protection. Yeah. And, um, and I know early in our marriage when we would go through things, uh, when you're a right fighter and you're doing this and you feel like you've always got to win, and we're not talking about excusing sin by any means, but Absolutely not. usually what it means is one person's feelings are not heard. One person doesn't feel understood. And I remember many times I would back away because you would be very strong, proving a point, and you would say, but that's not right, Paul. And I would know it's not right. It's just the way I felt, or it's just something. That, but so I would just pull back. And that's what, um, when you do this, like you said, requiring victory or conquering to prove a point, it shuts down the other person's heart, yes. and um, which is why it's so important to choose humility. I love the concept that you said, win-win. 
In other words, going into the conflict, saying, you know what, um, it's not a matter of right and wrong, et cetera, et cetera, but how can we both come out of this um, in a win-win so that neither one of us loses? I like that um, because that's what keeps unity together. And I know on that weekend, a win-win for us. Um, a win-win was me not shutting down, me not getting in the car and driving away. I can't believe you thought I would leave you on the weekend, but <laughs> nevertheless, yes, inside of me, everything was wanting to run because that's how I would protect myself and um, blame you the whole way down the street. And um, But that wasn't it. So for me, the the win allowing it was coming back and can we talk? Not knowing where to go, these other steps and being able to walk through it. What about I know what it is for you, you coming and being willing to listen to you didn't have to. You had a genuine reason to to say, I'm hurt. In other words, I can't believe since then we've gone back and we've realized all the reasons and the early memories. But for some reason on that Valentine's Day night, it just happened. And I just don't know if God wasn't leading us to a deeper work in both of our lives. And now that I understand humility the way I do, I thank God that we went through that because this was a powerful, powerful lesson. Yeah, and I think for me too, the reason I could do that that night is I was in a healthier place than I had been for many, many years of right. our marriage. Right. And I can remember that when you shut down and you couldn't answer the question of, you know, tell your spouse when was uh, what you thought about them the first time you saw them and when you met them, when you couldn't answer that question, I, again, I didn't allow myself to become a victim. And I remember sitting there and saying to myself, Jenny, this is not about you. This is not your issue. You know, he, he it, this is his issue. He can't do it, but mm -hmm. that is not a reflection of who you are. Right. And so I had to speak those things to myself and not allow the enemy to take me to that victim mentality, mm -hmm. which is, again, pride. You know, pride uh, causes us to be a victim right. versus humility causes us to take personal responsibility and get our eyes off of ourselves. Right. No, absolutely. Well, we've covered a lot and I want to wrap it up here and um, I want to close with a verse, but I want right. to say happy Valentine's Day again to you because I love thank you so much. You. Thank so you for it's... taking me to dinner and, yeah, uh, you know, we, Paula and I have been married. I want to tell our listeners, we've been married for almost 29 years. Yep. Isn't that amazing? Yep. And we have had many Valentines together over those 29 years and a lot of them weren't pleasant. I look back to many, many times when I was hurt and uh, Paul wasn't initiating relationship with me. And I just want to say thank you, Paul, because you have been such a blessing to me. Aww. And I just want to thank you for hanging in there with me and that through the good, the bad, and the ugly, you didn't give up. Well, I think that goes for both of us because I think you had to hang in there more with me than I had to hang in there with you. So... um and I thank you for that. So I want to close with um, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Um, these are some familiar verses, but he's writing it. And the writer says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So what is that attitude he's talking about there? It goes on and says, Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That's powerful because Jesus himself, twice in this set of verses, um, we're told that he humbled himself to accomplish what he did. And yes, I've always said humility brings death, and it did, but that's when God steps in. God's power comes in, and he can save you, he can rescue you, he revives you and brings you back and exalts you, um, which are all the promises through Scripture. And that's what we see in the life of Christ. Christ humbled himself all the way to the point of death, and therefore God was able to raise him up and um, God wants to do the same in our lives. And I think that's what God wants to do in our marriage. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. So I, I love this. That's the attitude. It says this attitude. Uh, we're to have the same. So powerful, powerful stuff, Jenny. Thank you so much uh, for being with us, being with me today. So as we wrap up, I think our listeners um, have got a, a better understanding of humility in a practical area. In other words, how we kind of Um, walk through it that weekend. I don't think either one of us were going through the weekend saying, wow, this is humility. I need to stay humble. Now that we look back, God's taught us a huge lesson about what does humility look like. And I think this was a good example of it. But humility, it is the key to roadblocks um, with marital conflict. And the first one we talked about there is humility responds. The second one is humility doesn't require you to know the answer. And the third one there is humility doesn't require you to win. Those are all beautiful things. And I hope it's been a blessing to our listeners today. So if you've got further questions, though, and you want to know more about Whatever It Takes Ministries or how we can help you, please contact us through our website or call us at 336-310-5050. And thank you again for joining us today. So until next time, remember, your life can be different if you're willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes.